Once upon a time, this is a story many of you will know, but it's always good to tell a story again. Once upon a time, there was a man who liked to write. So the best place he would write would be down by the seaside. And as his tradition was, every morning before he wrote, to get inspiration, he'd walk along the beach. And this particular day, as he went down to the beach, there had been a very, very strong storm in the night. And through the night, a whole host of starfish had been washed up onto the beach. And as he was walking along, off in the far distance, he saw a shape. And as he drew closer, he realized it was a boy. And he watched a little bit more intently as to what the boy was doing. And every few steps, he could notice the boy was bending down, standing up, and what looked to be throwing something into the sea. A couple more steps, bending down, picking up, throwing something into the sea. And as he got that little bit closer, Indeed, he realized it wasn't a stone, it wasn't a shell, it was a starfish. Every couple of steps, the boy was bending down, picking up a starfish and throwing him into the sea. Well, as the man drew so close, he actually asked the boy, as if it wasn't already obvious, what are you doing, son? The boy said, I'm throwing starfish back into the sea. And the man paused for a moment and he said, but look around here, son. There are thousands of starfish. That's, you're just picking up one here and there. And the boy, he took a couple more steps away from the man. He bent down, picked up a starfish and threw him back in the sea. And if you know the story, you know the line. He said, yes, but it'll make a difference for this one. Today I want to ask you the question, what's in your hand? And I want to again affirm our team band. This morning as you looked around, you saw in their hands guitars, piano, keyboard, flute, microphones, drums. What's in your hands? Ryan, yes, we've already commented. We often see an electric guitar in your hand. Where are you? There you are. Ben, I've never seen this, but I've stalked you on Facebook to get your pictures. And um, where's Ben? You often have a, a few handlebars in your hand on a BMX. But I say to you both, you have other things in your hand too. My question to all of us today is what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because I believe there are many times we think what's in our hand is not much. We think what's in our hand is not enough. But my challenge to you today, to you, Ben, to you, Ryan, and to all of us, is I believe what we have is enough. It had been all day. The crowd had sat, and I'm not going to make you sit all day. The crowd had sat and listened and listened. They could not get enough. He spoke with such authority and yet warmth and compassion. It compelled them and they sat all day. Whatever snacks they had bought had long gone. 
the sun was setting in the distance. He had 12 people he was mentoring. They called them his disciples or followers. They too sat, realizing that it was indeed late in the day. And maybe they were hungry too. And they sidled up to this man. Jesus was his name. Jesus. And as it come close, maybe Jesus was thinking the same question, the same thing. These guys, they've been sitting here all day. Weren't expecting that. They must be getting hungry. So Jesus nudges one of those guys. His name was Philip and says, Philip, mate, how about you just nip off to the local town? Just grab a bit of food for all these guys. Now, Philip, he actually had come from that particular area. So he knew there was a town nearby. But he was also a bit mathematical, and it didn't take much to actually work through the equation. These guys, they weren't brain surgeons. They weren't merchant bankers. Their wage wasn't that great. And as he looked at the 12 and looked out at who was in front of them, a quick calculation said, not 1,000, not 2, not 5, not 10, maybe 15,000 people. Now, come on, Jesus. We'd have to work months to be able to pay the bill. It's impossible. It's ridiculous. Jesus waits. Another of the 12, his name was Peter. These guys that he was trying to teach stuff to, he overhears that conversation and he starts to scan the audience. Aha, uh-huh. over there in that far corner, I spot something. It looks like a minion's lunchbox. Yes, over there, that little boy. And he weaves his way through the crowd. He finds and nudges and he nestles in to the little boy. Hey, buddy, can I have your lunch? He's done that. Belgian, yeah, probably. (laughs) Now, I don't know what this boy was thinking. This strange guy comes up and sidles beside him and asks for his lunch. Maybe he goes about by, oh, what's in your box? Well, that looks really nice. I'm not quite sure. Maybe he said, you know that guy that's up the front talking? He's a bit hungry. He's got his lunch. Would you? Maybe he said, the guy at the front would like your lunch to feed everybody. I'm not sure, but one thing we can be sure of, one thing we do know, that boy handed over his lunch. That boy, with a heart of generosity, said, okay, have my lunch. Take it to Jesus. You want it? You can give it to him. We know that. He willingly gave his lunch. But it wasn't enough to feed 15,000 people. As Peter opened up that little minion lunchbox, there were simply five pieces of bread and two fish. Five and two. It's definitely impossible. 
It's completely ridiculous. But Peter carries the lunchbox back to Jesus. I don't know what he's thinking. Maybe he's thinking, well, you know, it's something. Or, well, Jesus will realize that this is impossible. The next thing he does is he gives it to Jesus. The Bible says, we, we go back one, then Jesus took the loaves. And this is where it all happened. You see, in the little boy's hand was just five and two. In Peter's hand, as he carried it to Jesus, was just five and two. But the change happened when those five and two, those impossible, those it might not be enough, are placed in the hands of Jesus. And these aren't ordinary hands. These are compassionate hands. These are generous hands. These are all-powerful hands. These are the hands that put the stars in the sky These are the hands that make our heart beat. These are the hands that allow the little birds to fly. These are the hands that make gravity work. These are the hands that healed the sick and raised the dead. These are not ordinary hands. These are the hands of Jesus. And as those two little fish and those five loaves are placed in the hands of Jesus, I wonder what that little boy was thinking. Because I think those 12 mentees, those 12 people Jesus was mentoring, they had no idea, even though they should have, I don't think they expected much. I think they were still standing in the impossible camp. This is impossible. But that little boy, I reckon his eyes were big. I reckon his heart was thumping so hard and he is sitting there on the edge of his grass. What is Jesus going to do with my life? What is about to happen to my lunch? He's expecting something great. Then Jesus took the loaves He gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. You see, Jesus was expectant. I love this. He took the loaves and he gave thanks. Nothing had happened. We often think giving thanks is a prayer. We call it grace. And I believe this was a prayer. But it uses the word thankfulness in here. He's already thanking for something that has not yet happened. He is fully expectant of something that is going to happen. He is giving praise and glory to God for what is about to take place. You see, before the miracle, he was expectant. Before the miracle, 
he trusted. But for the miracle, he was thankful. You know, when we take what we have in our hands and our heart is in the right place, you know, we, we, don't, we don't literally put it in the hands of Jesus like Peter took that lunch. But for us, we can just say it. Say, God, take my electric guitar. It's what I have. God, take my BMX riding. It's what I have. God, take my baking skills. God, take my ability to read. God, take my ability to connect to kids. God, take what I have. It ain't much, but I'm just giving it over to you. And as you do, be expectant. Be expectant of what God's going to do because he will. He will bless what you have placed in his hands. Yes, I believe that little boy, his eyes did not budge. I believe they were wider than wide and his heart must have seemed like it was going to bounce out of his chest. What was going to happen? We find in the story, which is found in the Bible, it continues. Then Jesus took those loaves, he gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people and they ate. They all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now, go gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and they filled 12 baskets of scraps left by the people who had eaten. That boy's eyes had literally popped out of his head. He was expectant that, you know, this was way, way, way much more than he anticipated. Just wait till I get home to tell mum and dad what happened here today with my lunch, my five and my two. Everybody, everybody had enough, but not just enough. They had everything they wanted. You know what, you know, boys, guys, when mum and dad say, that's enough, no more food, no more ice cream, that's it, you're done. There's a difference between that's it to have as much as you want. Have as much as you want. That's our generous God. As much as you want, have it. And so they did. But not only that, there was excess. There were leftovers. There was more. And I don't think it was a mistake. God is not a God of mistakes. He's not a God of coincidences either. It's not a coincidence that Ryan got baptized today. not a coincidence that you're here today there were 12 baskets left over there were 12 disciples 12 followers they left that place carrying a basket each and God through Jesus spoke into their lives that day a 
powerful message. A powerful message. They started off from the position of this is impossible. There's nothing that we can do. To taking a humble boy's lunch who was a willing giver to put it in the hands of Jesus and they witnessed excess. They witnessed the impossible. They witnessed what you would almost call the ridiculous. So what's in your hand? There's a few characters, some you'll be familiar with, some you won't. But I think of a character named Moses. He had a rod. That's what was in his hand, and yet he gave it to God, and through that he freed a nation. David, he had just five measly little stones in his hand. Yet when placed in the hands of Jesus, those stones defeated a giant. And they reinstated the hope of a nation. There was a lady, Esther. She had inner and outer beauty. Yet in the hands of Jesus, that made her queen and saved her nation at a time such as this. There was a guy named Peter. He had a great skill of fishing. Yet in the hands of Jesus, God called him to fish for people, helping people come to know God his love, his grace and hope for them and the world. There was a guy named Martin Luther who loved to read and to study and in the hands of Jesus, that skill, that measly gift you could say, reinstated the truth to Christianity, the truth of God's amazing grace, salvation through grace. Not what we do, but what he has done for you and I. There was a lady, Mother Teresa. In her hand was the compassion for the poor. Yet in the hands of Jesus, she gave dignity and respect to people who were dying and gave life to the poorest of poor. There's a man. Gary Hagen, he has legal knowledge, he has experience, and when he placed that in the hands of Jesus, he advocated for the vulnerable children of Cambodia, releasing hundreds of them from the slave trade industry. What is in your hand? In that boy's hand was just five and two. But in the hands of Jesus, it fed 15,000 people and there were leftovers. We should have some audio. It was battered and scarred in the auctioneer, thought he scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he helped it up with a smile. What am I bidding? 
good folks, he cried, who'll start the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, then two, two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going, going for three. But no, from the room far back, gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. He brushed the dust from the old violin and tightened the loose strings. And he played a melody pure and sweet as the carolin angels sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer said in a voice soft and low, what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. One thousand dollars, one thousand, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The people cheered and some of them cried and said, we don't quite understand what changed its worth. And a quick reply, it was the touch of a master's hand. Many a man life is out of tune and he's battered and scarred with sin it's auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd much like the old violin a mess of pottage a glass of wine a game and he travels on he's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. Then the master comes, and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul change, the change that's been brought by the touch of the master's hand. So what's in your hand? To each and every one of us here today. I just want to reaffirm to you that what you have is enough. And who you are is enough. And again, to you, Ryan, and to you, Ben, as young men, you are enough. And what you have is enough. With a full heart, place what you have 
in your hand and the hand of Jesus. In the hand of your master and it will indeed be blessed. And God will use it beyond your imagination, your simple five and two, be expectant, be thankful, trust him, it will make a difference.